just challenge it. We got to enjoy this every day. And obviously, that doesn't mean we just show up and play ping pong games and go golfing. You got to work <laughs> at it, but you got to enjoy that work. You got to embrace it. And it took a little bit in the fall for guys to kind of find that balance of we can have a lot of fun without screwing around, but. Now that they've kind of found that, it's really fun to show up every day. These guys love being around each other. And I mean, to me, that's what it's all about. Again, that four-year experience flies by. So to see these guys really showing up every day, excited to be there, I think it's really, really cool. You're dialed in to the ABCA's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast, connecting our coaches with some of the best baseball minds in our game. Now here's your host, Jeremy Sheetinger. Once again, we find ourselves back in your earbuds and broadcasting from the ABCA National Office here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Welcome back or welcome to our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. We are still your baseball coaching source for certified audio gold and the place where you come to connect with the very best baseball minds in our game. We're sending a huge thanks to each and every one of you for dialing into the show. Without listeners, we don't have a podcast. It's just me talking to me about baseball and it's lonely, but when we get tens of thousands of baseball folks out there interested in personal growth, those of us who love to share, we can tap into the listeners that flat out love to learn. You then play a big role in the success of this entire show. So keep spreading the word, getting these interviews into the hands of anyone you feel like would appreciate these conversations. Send them wherever podcasts are free. Make sure they hit subscribe and share, share, and share some more. Connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find us at ABCA1945. If you're looking for more information about what our baseball coaching fraternity here is all about, head over to our website, abca.org. Also, make sure you subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel, Lots of outstanding content is on there as well, plus a new feature coming your way very soon. Type in the site youtube.com slash ABCA1945 and make sure you subscribe on there as well. And if I can help you out in any way possible, please feel free to reach out to me directly on Twitter and Instagram at CoachSheets3 or by email Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at ABCA.org. Huge thanks to our great friends and longtime ABCA partners over at Rawlings. We are honored to have one of the true flagship baseball organizations like Rawlings attached to our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast as they see the value in these shows, reaching and connecting with every single baseball enthusiast, or fan, parent, player, and coach inside of these episodes and with these guests. From gloves to helmets, from uniforms to apparel, these guys have so much to offer each of you. So again, do us a favor. Check out their entire product line on their website, Rawlings.com. That's Rawlings, R-A-W-L-I-N-G-S.com. And we hope to see you join Team Rawlings today. Which brings us to this week's show as we head up to Mount Pleasant, Michigan to connect with the first-year head coach of the Chippewas, Central Michigan University skipper, Jordan Bischel sits down with us to chat about the transformation happening there inside of his locker room. He's leading one of the best turnarounds in college baseball this season, and Jordan brings such a unique perspective to the table between his background out of coaching and in accounting. No coincidence that this episode released the day after tax day. His path through small college baseball leading nearby Northwood University and Midland University into the spotlights on the D2 and NAI levels, respectively. His new coaching staff at CMU, which now includes his former college head coach, so he's got a live-in mentor right there in the dugout, 
to working every day to build a consistent winner out of the Northern schools, which will help continue to raise the profile inside of that region. It's a fantastic interview and walk with Coach Bischel, and we are thankful to sit down with him in the middle of their season. And as many of our loyal members know, we have such strong ties to CMU and Mount Pleasant as former executive director Dave Pilots was the head coach and athletic director at Central Michigan for many successful years before taking over the ABCA. This national office was once stationed in Mount Pleasant for 20 years before moving down here to North Carolina. And with Dave still in town, it feels like inside this show, we're coming home in a lot of different ways. So with that, let's get right into this show, welcoming in Jordan Bischel, the head coach of Central Michigan University Chippewas, as he is our guest on this week's Dugout Chatter episode. Get ready, coaches. This great show is coming at you right now. Coaches, thanks for dialing into our Calls in the Clubhouse podcast. We're heading up north this week to connect with a very special coach. Guy, I'm really excited to embark on this journey through this conversation of his career, his path, his growth. And again, what's going on there at Central Michigan University? We're going to talk with the skipper, Jordan Bischel. Jordan, thanks for jumping on with us, my friend. I appreciate you having me. We're excited too, man. Break this in again. We got some close ties to the CMU program, which we'll get into here in a little bit. But man, I'm I'm really blown away about what's going on there and, and the transformation that's happening, which we will get into. But you know, as we start all of our podcasts, Jordan, it's a great way to talk about and highlight ABCA loyal members and guys that are passionate about what we do here and what the association's meant to them. So. Kick that off for us. How has the association grown you? And then also, give us a shout out. Who got you involved? Who brought you into the fold that, that's kind of kept you there? The ABCA, I, I have really tried over the last you know, 14 years of coaching to get to every convention and and just incredibly, incredibly beneficial. But, uh, you know, I started coaching in 2006. My first year was at John Carroll University in Cleveland, uh, Division Three school. And, and as I recall, I didn't make the convention that year, but then my second year, uh, I went back to St. Norbert College uh, in Green Bay, which is where mm-hmm. I'm from and where I played. And our head coach, Tom Wentz, has gone to so many of these things, and he kind of pushed me. He said, hey, we got to go to this thing together. And as I recall, one of the first years was in Chicago, so it was a nice, easy trip. And, I, I mean, what I remember so vividly, coming off, of, I believe it was an Oregon State national title, mm-hmm. and Pat Casey spoke and, and was impressive as always. And then he went to his breakout after, and, I go to this breakout and there's probably a hundred coaches in a room with a chance to just kind of go one-on-one with Pat Casey. And I'm sitting here thinking if, if this were basketball, and this was Mike Krzyzewski. I mean, there'd be 10,000 people in this room no and to have that kind of access to yep. somebody was, was really flooring and, and made it pretty fun to go back every year. Gosh, the accessibility piece. I've talked to a lot of coaches about that. I think that's the, um, to me, you know, we can talk about all the various elements of the coaching clinics or the world's largest baseball trade show, like all those things, the networking, but to me, I think the thing that jumps off that people, I don't want us to take it for granted, and you just mentioned it, is the accessibility. It's the fact that you're walking the floors or you're up and down escalators or on elevators with some of the best of the best. And the beauty of it is they know why they're there, and they're actually there for the same reason you are. They're trying to get better. They're trying to grow. But more than that, that's your opportunity of the guy you see on TV all the time is to go, Coach, man, hey, you don't know me from Adam but here's who I am and here's what it's about. And the beauty of it is, and we talk about this a lot on the show, Jordan, is that the best of the best, they end up flipping that conversation at some point and going, hey, dude, I could tell you everything we do at, you know, again, Oregon State. But, you know, what do you do? What do you do at Franklin County High School that, that you're having success with? Because maybe I can take something from you into my program and that blows people's minds. Do you experience that as well? 
Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. And I always thought it was pretty cool to start to learn some of these backstories. You know, you see these yeah. guys on TV in Omaha, whatever, and you start to realize they were they were working part-time trying to sell used cars or, <laughs> or doing whatever they could, you know, to, to make ends meet. And, and you forget that, that they were in much different shoes at some point. And it kind of adds that, I don't know, that humanness to it. And like you said, it's just, it, it's pretty cool how the sharing of information is, is so accessible and, I mean, obviously the top guys are in high demand, but it's amazing how if, if you reach out to those guys, they they will more more than likely make time to spend some time with you, and like you said, try to pick your brain a little bit too. That's it. the beauty of the fraternity, man. That's what's all about. Um, you mentioned a, a tad bit of your career in baseball, but I mean, I think your career path overall and and how this journey has unfolded, I, we could almost cut it in two parts and do a career path podcast jordan and then talk about the rest of the stuff <laughs> but take me into this career path man get paint us the, the full picture that led you right there the head chair at cmu yeah it's it's a different one you know <laughs> i went i graduated college in 2003 my dad was a, a pretty successful cpa he ran his own business i'm a numbers guy and okay. always good with the math side I don't know, well why wouldn't i become an accountant it just seemed natural and uh, started out at Ernst & Young, one of the big four accounting mm-hmm. firms, had this big auditing job. And, you know, you're on the road every week traveling, wearing the, wearing the suits and ties and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> it wasn't miserable, but I just said, I don't know if this is going to be fun for 40 years. And uh, I did it for two or three years full time. And then I decided I kind of wanted to dive into coaching, helped out at my high school for a year and really enjoyed it. And you know, looking back, it was probably a fairly insane decision, but just quit a really good job and packed up everything I had in the back of my Honda CRV and moved to Cleveland to, to take a GA job at John Carroll. Yeah. Uh, didn't know anybody there. I, thankfully, their coach, uh, Mark Tebow, took a shot on me and gave me a, a chance to help him out. But uh, looking back, like I said, a little bit nuts, but it just seemed like something I wanted to try. I want to get into I, I just figured if I failed at it or I didn't enjoy it, there's always an accounting job out there. But if I waited five, 10 years and had a family, whatever, you aren't going to be able to drop everything. So that's what I did. Um, Spent a year there. Then, like I said, I went back to St. Norbert where I played and and assisted Tom Winsky for three years, did his pitching stuff. He he paid me once or twice, maybe over those three years. Um, (laughs) But I kind of made it through that. And then after, at at the end of those three years, you know, Coach Winsky kind of sat me down and said, hey, if you want to have a a future in this, you're going to have to move on and go somewhere and get some more experience and meet more people and all that kind of thing. So I got mm-hmm. a, another GA job down at Northwest Missouri State Division Two in mm-hmm. in Maryville, Missouri. Um, learned a lot there for three years, and it was at that point I was also coaching the Northwoods League, which helped a lot. I was a head coach for the Green Bay Bullfrogs, and mm-hmm. and that was my first real head coaching experience, and, and that was a great chance to learn from some really good coaches, just having a chance to, to coach their players, you know, mm-hmm. players from whatever Dallas Baptist and Texas. And, and I mean, you name it across the country, smaller D ones, really high level D threes and D twos. And yeah. just having those players around every summer, where I could pick their brains about what they're doing in their program was, was, was pretty, pretty unbelievable. Um, and then at that point, after three years at Northwest, I finally got a chance to be a head coach at, at Midland university and NAI school mm-hmm. just West of Omaha. Um, had a really supportive administration administration there, and, and thankfully we had a couple of good years. And then I got a chance to get a little closer to home, um, moving over to Michigan, Northwood University at Division Two in Midland, Michigan. And same thing, really, really supportive group helped us have the coaches we needed to have success, and and had a nice four year run there, and, and that led us to Central Michigan. So a, a nice simple path got me here. 
That's outstanding. Well, <laughs> I'll say it for you. Leaving out uh, some conference championships, you're leaving out some World Series appearances. Uh, but, man, overall, I think the beauty of it is kind of what you and I were talking about before we hit the record button was just the fact that, you know, coming up as a small college player and, and having a lot of small school experience, you know, it, it really it, it nurtures you in a way and it kind of grooves your, your mindset and your philosophy in a way that it's been an adjustment period for you coming into the Division One level. So I guess, you know, the, the question would be, how have you how have you been able to bridge that gap? Have you been able to take that leap forward? But I think I'm guessing more than that. I'm pretty sure, Jordan, again, first time you and I have jumped on the phone together, we've texted quite a bit, but like to jump on the phone, I got a feeling that you're delivering perspective to those players based on the experience that you've had. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, it's funny. We played uh, we played recently on the road at, at a field that was maybe a little less than desirable. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the, the nicest place I've ever got. And our guys seemed a little sluggish, a little slow, almost unexcited to play. And I don't know if it was the field. I don't know if it was a midweek game or or what it was, but I kind of reminded them after two innings. I, I didn't know where all of their exact backgrounds, but it it took me 14 years to, to have a chance to coach on this slightly right. subpar field. So, <laughs> you know, appreciate what you've got. And, and yeah. at CMU, we have a lot. We have pretty unbelievable f- facilities, a nice support staff. I, I mean, outside of the weather, you couldn't ask for a whole lot more. And, and just reminding our guys that not everybody's got that. Very few people have that. You know, to mm-hmm. be able to, on a cold day, get in the clubhouse and warm up a little bit. I mean, I fully understand 95% of college baseball doesn't have any any part of that. So yeah. I think it's good for them to know that. But but I don't want to preach to them either. I mean, I don't want them to feel guilty about it. But what, what's been, I guess, kind of kind of interesting is the baseball doesn't feel a whole lot different you're still working with guys day to day you're trying to develop them obviously there's more talent i understand that but but it's still the same game they have a lot of the same things to learn and and so that part has been a pretty easy transition you know the challenge is just a lot of differences in terms of the administrative side you know i used to have to do a lot of things trying to Mm remember that maybe the best way to spend my time isn't planning the team meal for, for the weekend or, or booking the hotel room. I mean, I'm just used to doing those things. And, and when you have an accounting background, you, you think it's the best thing you can be doing. But, sure. you know, maybe we can spend the extra $4 a hotel room and, and save a few hours not calling 12 places, that's things it. like that. Um, so that's been an interesting adjustment. The technology side, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point, is yeah. a huge difference. You know, you yeah. just don't have the resources at the smaller levels to do some of those things yeah. and try to keep up with that i feel like i'm behind in that but even now p- pulling up video of teams and things like that i i panicked when i realized i couldn't in the mac you know self-scout games and, and get out to see other teams play i, I said well how are we gonna have a good scouting report and i realized these teams have video you can yeah. actually do it without driving three hours to <laughs> sure. see the game which is nice it's fantastic well, i'm gonna be remiss if i have a dude on here because i'm not a numbers guy i talk about a lot i get i get math anxiety the furthest, but it's April fifteenth, and with tax season looming, can we uh, can we have a gentleman's agreement that uh, you'll write up a document for me that's like, hey, she's here's some tax shortcuts uh, that will give you some ideas on how to creatively move some money. Can we talk? Can we get that? Out? That, that would probably require my taxes to be done, which they are not. So I've got wow. a five hour bus ride home coming in a couple of days here, and, and that's going to be how that's spent. So when I get mine done, I'll put you next on that list, and then we'll work from there. I, I become woefully inadequate when it comes to accounting well you could probably bang yours out in 10 minutes it's, i've been working on mine since last february so I'm, <laughs> I'm still trying to get there um you mentioned the history of cmu baseball and i'd love for you to kind of lay out 
walking into that program, certainly having a perspective of it before you got there, but now you get to sit in the big chair and, and run the ship. So when you're thinking about the history of that, I, I know for us here in the national office, the ties run pretty deep. Obviously, our executive director, Craig, is an alum there. Mm-hmm. His father, Dave, spent many years there building that program. Dave Kylitz Field, you get to see that on the outfield wall every day. But take us through the history and obviously the influence that Dave's had on you since you've been there. Yeah, D- Dave is – I don't think you can find a person that's met Dave Kylitz and, and doesn't say just glowing things about Absolutely. him. Absolutely. You know, I, I've had a few people tell me, yeah, Dave speaks very highly of you. I just laugh because Dave speaks highly of everybody. So, I mean, the guy doesn't have ill will against anyone. So I don't know if he really does speak highly of me or what he's really thinking, but, but it's unbelievable. You know, he's still in Mount Pleasant yeah. and, and I get together with him at least once a month, if not more frequently, he comes in the office, you know, every week or two to, to just chat the support he provides uh, for me and, and our staff and our program is, is, is just unbelievable. And, and his ability to help me connect with people and get to know people, and, and not just in baseball, but in the Mount Pleasant community, is just really valuable. I, I just, I'm not sure you can find a better person than Dave Kylitz. So it's yeah. it's pretty humbling to kind of follow in those shoes. But it wasn't just him. There, there's just so much history there. When I, you know, being a, a lower level school guy, I, I never really knew a lot about Central Michigan baseball. I saw a lot of their guys in summer ball, and, and obviously saw it floating around, but. When I when I started to have some interest in in this job and they showed some interest in me, I started to do my research. You, you almost have that moment moment of panic, like <laughs> I can't really do this. You know, you look at these guys and they're piling up 700 winning percentages and yeah. and all these NCAA tournaments, and you're like, geez, there's some pretty high expectations. And my background is is kind of taking over programs that didn't have much history, so sure. it was a little bit intimidating uh, in a sense, but but flattering too, just just to know that you know people feel like you can kind of fill those shoes and keep leading it. So it, it's pretty awesome to just have alumni reach out and, and talk about the history of the program. And, you know, it was just a couple of weeks ago, Jesse Hernandez stopped by. He was the Mac pitcher of the year in 2010, pitched a bunch of years of pro ball. And just to hear the pride he's got in the program and, and, and how excited he is to see our guys having success. It's boy, it's pretty cool. I, I mean, I never would have really dreamt it up a handful of years ago. That's outstanding. Okay. Now this is the, uh, again, a, a, a question that, a lot of listeners will resonate with that we talk about a lot is the opportunity when we get a guy like you to really pull back the curtain, quote unquote, pull back the curtain on what's going on there with the Chippewas. Cause I think the culture that you've been able to put in place in, in literally, you know, not even a full season yet, you guys are sitting there at 24 and eight before you walk in this weekend. And it's just been a, a, a very good turnaround. But I think more than that, I'm hearing it's the style of play. It's the energy and it's the enthusiasm around the players, the, the program inside your locker room in the dugout. Can you just give me a glimpse? What's it taste like? What's it feel like inside that program right now? Yeah, like, I mean, a lot of it just starts with with our student athletes. They're they're a really good group of kids. You know, they we we're fortunate. We we took over a group that had a lot of experience. So so we had some guys that have won a lot of games and played a lot of baseball. So that was a good starting point, obviously. But like you said, we were we tried to change a few things, um, just in terms of kind of the attitude and energy we play with and i'm not saying anything was was wrong previously but uh, we really challenge our guys to embrace the fact that god these four years just they fly by on yes. you and to take yourself too seriously and get all caught up in just wins and losses or batting average or, or the draft or whatever it may be you kind of shortchange yourself in my opinion and so just challenge it we got to enjoy this every day and 
And obviously that doesn't mean we just show up and play ping pong games and, and go golfing. You got to work at it, but <laughs> sure. you got to enjoy that work. You got to embrace it. And, and it took a little bit in the fall for guys to kind of find that balance of we can have a lot of fun without screwing around. But now that they've kind of found that it's really fun to show up every day. These guys love being around each other. And I mean, to me, that's what it's all about. Again, that, that four year experience flies by. So to see these guys really showing up every day, excited to be there, I think is really, really cool. Do you have a, like a mantra? Do you have team standards? Do you have a, a, a calling card of, as to what you're working to build that program upon? Um, you know, the biggest thing we, and this came with me from Northwood, I came up with a, a few weeks ago. We, we, we have what we call a one plus one equals three mentality, obviously being an accountant, you know, I knew that one plus one equaled three. So that was a good starting point. <laughs> uh, yeah. Those guys looked at me like I was a little bit nuts, but, but it's an academic yeah, institution here, Jordan. Yeah, so. exactly. So we're only off by one with that equation, right. so it's not far off. Um, but really the idea being, you know, if, if a group of scouts came and watched us and pegged us for, for X number of wins or this amount of success, can we exceed that because we spend enough time on it, we care enough about it, we're good enough teammates to each other, we play with enough enthusiasm and energy that you kind of win more games than, than your talent would dictate. And, mm-hmm. and so that's... You know, coming from Northwood, which is pretty under the radar at the Division Two level, um, you know, we didn't always have the most talented players, but we had some guys that wanted to work their tail off and prove some people wrong. And and so I think we're trying to instill that a little bit. Now, Central Michigan, obviously, a lot different history, but but I, I want them to have the same kind of idea that you know so they've been overlooked by somebody at some point and, and wanting to kind of prove people wrong and do it as a group. Yeah. Find a way that. You know, that seventh arm out of the bullpen is still a, a key cog in it. The guy that's only got 13 at-bats is still a key cog in it. The, the managers on the team, you know, everybody is finding a way to contribute. So that end product is, is a little bit greater than those individual parts. That's phenomenal. Um, a question that comes up quite a bit, especially when you get other coaches in that northern climate. I mean, you're talking about you've spent the majority of your career, whether it was John Carroll, which, again, is going to get chilly in the wintertime. Uh, you know, you're looking at St. Norbert. And you're looking at, at, at Northwood, you're all, all the way across the board, man. There's just, there's, now at CMU, you're just dealing with the elements, man, a lot more than they are, again, at, at, let's say at the University of Florida. So coaching in a northern climate, that's going to present its own challenges. And how have you kind of navigated those, moved past them, and then obviously still found a way to develop really great baseball teams and baseball players? Yeah, I, I think what helped me is I don't really know any different. You know, it, it was instilled to me when I was a player that it's normal to practice six weeks in a gym and then go to Florida and play 12 games and expect to be good. Right. I, I, I don't know. I, when I look back now, I kind of look at it. I say, what if you told a basketball coach, just so you know, you can't, you can't go on a court until after your first game, but, but make sure you're ready to, to make ready to roll. throw and not turn it over. <laughs> right. and so it's really different, but it was my normal. And so I just didn't know any different. And you start, I think to almost embrace the things you can do you know, we can't worry a lot about results when you're indoors. You don't know when you take live at bats in a batting cage, if that ball that was hit on the barrel is in the gap or just a routine fly out. You don't know if that hard ground ball is right at the shortstop or in the mm-hmm. six hole. And so these hitters walk away saying, did I have the right process? Did I get the right pitch? Did I put a good swing on it? Not, I hit a seed, but the shortstop picked it. So I'm crying because I'm only over one, you know, pitchers, did I make a pitch and execute it instead of did that ball bleed in? And I'm worried about, you know, the hit instead of executing the pitch. So I, I think it lets you kind of work the process more than the result, which, which may help. I think mm-hmm. the strength and conditioning side, you get a little better chance to work at that because you're not out on the field. You know, it's, it's hard as a coach before the season starts, if you have a chance to get on the field to not use that time, 
we don't have the opportunity. So we got to do some other things with our time. So I don't know. It's probably just complete rationalization when it, when it stinks, but uh, that's our normal, (laughs) I guess. So, and I guess the other thing that's helped me, you know, the St. Norbert background is huge because again, we practiced in a gym and then for three years and as, as an assistant there, you know, we always joked, Coach Winsky and I, that if they ever asked us to speak at the convention, it's how would you take a, a 55-foot cage and make a 60-foot mound fit in there so you could take live at-bats because that was what we're dealing with. No doubt. Weights holding down nets and, and ropes pulling and back and back so the catcher can fit back there. I mean, it's just – and, it, again, it just became normal. So yeah. now when, when I move to these schools where we've got nice indoor turf facilities and things, it feels like heaven. To, to, to me because it's mm-hmm. just a lot better than anything I've ever had. So, again, just reminding our players, you can do a lot in these areas. So, it's different, but uh, if nothing else, I know we're excited to play when February 15th hits every year. That's right. <laughs> That's outstanding. All right, so let, let's get into this because this this is a question. I feel like this has come up more, uh, at least in the past few weeks, than ever before. And I think it's because we are in the midst of baseball season. So, whether you are a youth coach or a high school coach and uh, certainly we're right before travel kicks up, but small college coaches, uh, big school sco- coaches, we're all dealing with this fact of, you know, we're pulled in the baseball direction. This is go time. This is where we make our mint, but we still got to work on being a great family man, being a great husband, being a great father or boyfriend, whatever it might be. Uh, we've still got people at home. Now you've got a unique challenge because you got a set of two-year-old <laughs> twins. So um, I know what it feels like to have two but uh, we put a little gap in between. So we got, you know, the first black eye, then we got the second one, and we had some time between. Uh, you got hit. You got hit quickly. So how have you, again, taken on a, a, a bigger program, a little more expectations, how have you really walked that line of finding balance between baseball and family? Well, I think most coaches would say it starts with having an unbelievably understanding wife. Yes. You know, yeah. with Katie. Katie is, is incredible. So she's just an unbelievable mom to the boys. So that's a good starting mm-hmm. point. But these two, Luke and Parker, gave us a, a reality check right away that they were going to be in charge because, <laughs> you know, when, when Katie got pregnant, the due date was June 4th, and then the Division two calendar, there's not, you know, there's not a worry in the world. Your season's done by then. Yeah. So then when we found out it was twins, you find out, hey, that's probably going to bump up a couple of weeks. And at the time, Northwood had never played in a regional, but we go ahead and we win our conference tournament. Mm-hmm. On a Sunday, the boys are born on a Tuesday, and we host the NCAA Midwest Regional on a Thursday. So they just announced, hey, we're going to come in the middle of your most hectic week of probably your life, and and here we are, deal with it. So uh, that was a good lesson that you're going to have to to really learn to just compartmentalize. And and I think the key for for me, and I think what, you know, Katie understands is so great about is we're going to work long hours, but if you can find a way to involve your family in that a little bit, yeah. you know, last week we were at home after the game, you know, just the boys running on the field with the players, just little mm-hmm. things like that. And then when you do go home and spend some time, just cut out everything else. Yes. And I'm not great at that. I have a lot to learn there, but trying to put down your phone for two hours or, you know, trying to remind myself that, hey, that text or email you got at 8 33 p.m it really can wait until 7 30 the next morning and the world's not going to change I, i'm not very good at that quite yeah. frankly but i'm trying to learn and, and like i said having a wife that understands it and gets behind it is, is pretty incredible so it's a challenge if anybody has good advice for me let me know because on on july in july here we're going to go from two to three so it's going to get even more fun for us Gosh, bless your heart all right i'm throwing <laughs> up some prayers for you right now um, no, you, you bring up a great point and it was actually a conversation 
that uh, very, again, as, as you allude to very transparently, I was having with another coach this morning is, uh, is that right there? I'm working on that. I'm working hard to now out of coaching Jordan, but like I'm, I'm really passionate about this job. I'm passionate about what we're doing here and where it's going. So it's bled past five o'clock and it's bled yeah. into the weekends that I quote unquote had off. It's, it's, it's really opened itself up. And I'm like you, like if a guy texts me at 8 PM, 9 PM, I mean, West coast dudes, it's 11 PM. And I'm like, yeah. Hey, I, I, I kind of need to answer that. But the priority, uh, and then what you want to be defined when I, I would probably hopefully speak for you on this. Like I want to be a, yeah, be a great coach, be a great worker. I want to be a great dad above all. Like at the end of the day, I, my judgment should be against how, how I was with my children. And so I want yeah. to make sure I'm present when I'm home. And it's been unique. I, it never was cognizant of me, but our, our best seasons as a coach have been these last few years. And maybe it's program development, but mm-hmm. they came about when our team saw my family a little bit more. And wow. I don't know if those things are related or not. I'm not trying to dig too deep into it, but I do think there's value in these players seeing that, hey, there's a real life outside of it. There's a yeah. You know, with our players, I need to understand there's more to them than a baseball player. And with mm-hmm. me, I think they need to understand there's more to me than a coach. And when you talk about, like I said, that kind of one plus one of everybody gelling together, boy, when you understand there's people that have real feelings and care about you, I, I certainly think it makes a big difference. And I, and I think, you know, as our family has become more a part of our program and not just Coach Bishop as a part of the program, I think mm-hmm. it's made a big difference. Gosh, it's outstanding. Okay, so let's get into, uh, it's kind of the staple questions of where we go with things and and how it, how it looks inside of these dugout chatter episodes. But it's a great way to, again, let these answers kind of live to where our listeners, especially the ones that pay attention each and every week, they're going, man, that sounds like this guy to this guy because we, we're all the same person. We just wear different uniforms. But the question we always start with is this. What's something you've read or watched or even heard recently that really challenged you? At your core, from a baseball end, you went, I don't know, man, maybe I could teach that differently. That could – we could be better at this. What's something you point to? You know, I, this year on the way to the convention, actually on the airplane, I, I read the energy bus by John mm-hmm. Gordon, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have read, but I hadn't. And, you know, I always thought it was pretty high energy and our teams were high energy. And when I thought about it, I, I was really shortchanging myself and our team. I was showing up a lot of days with just average preparation and average energy and average excitement. And mm-hmm. I, I, if you haven't read that book, I, I can't recommend it enough because for the next month I woke up every day thinking about, you know, you gotta be better than that. And yeah. I'm still trying to remind myself. So I think next year it might be a full team read, but that was really eye opening to me at, you know, boy, don't waste days. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Um, how is coach Bishop engineered as a learner? So in terms of, are you a reader? Are you a podcaster? Are you a conversationalist? Like what are the ways that you uh, find to really maybe push yourself in a better direction towards growth? Yeah, you know, I I think more than anything, I really like to observe, you okay. know, just just watch what successful people do and how they act and how, you know, not not even so much asking questions, but just just watching, you know, I, it feels terrible in the moment. But there's been a handful of times the last couple of years where we absolutely get it handed to us by a team that's more prepared than we are. And in the moment, it feels terrible, but those are the best learning opportunities. And, you know, a couple of years ago, we were, it was at Northwood in my third year, and we had a really good year that year. I think we only lost, you know, 12, 13 games all year, but uh, we played Seton Hill, who, who is really well coached, mm-hmm. and they made us look like we had never, never worked at stopping a base steal in our lives. I mean, they just made <laughs> us look terrible, and it was 
the most disheartening feeling. Sure. Lonely. But, <laughs> you know, to get a chance to chat with their coach a few minutes after and pay attention to what they did, I mean, we learned a lot in that game. Wow. And that actually dates back all the way to when I was a pitcher. We went down to to Warner Southern, who was a really good NAIA program mm-hmm. at the time. I was a sophomore and thought I had all the answers, you know, my first year in the rotation. And they might have stolen 20 bases in that game off me. I was left-handed. I didn't have a pickoff move, the whole deal. And, and Coach Winsky had our team on the bus for a good hour after the game, just chatting with their coach about, you know, what they're doing on the bases. We're sitting there waiting. We, we got beat about 8-1, to one and we had to wait for him. And But – you know, I kind of saw then that if you just pay attention to people that do it right, boy, you can learn a lot. So even now, you know, the NCAA tournament, watching Tony Bennett, he's from Green Bay. And so I grew up mm-hmm. watching him when I was 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. And just watching last year how he reacted to, you know, losing to a 16 seed and how he handled that and how it helped him prepare for this year. And I just have really tried to just pay attention to successful people and what they do and, and try to chip away at putting some of those things in place. Well, it kind of leads you back to uh, if you pay attention, the game will teach you everything you need to know. Yeah, and, and every time you think you've got what you need to know, somebody shows up and, and reminds you there's plenty more out there. <laughs> there's no doubt. Oh, it's outstanding. Um, okay, you kind of walked into that spider web, and I love this. The best people you've been around in baseball. So that could be players, uh, certainly former players, uh, coaches, anyone that you haven't been involved with. What qualities of those folks rise to the top in terms of successful people, best people, what qualities are we looking for? Yeah, I think just really caring about what you do, you know, having just just passion and pride in what you do, because I think that leads to work ethic. You know, I, I probably would start with work ethic as the biggest key that people have really put in the time, but what you see is the people that have the most passion for it are a lot of times the ones that work the hardest because it doesn't feel like work to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just thinking back to, I keep going back to Coach Winsky at St. Norbert, but you know he was a he was a full time teacher in addition to our head coach, and I probably didn't appreciate it at the time. But putting in these seventy eighty hour weeks so he could he could earn a living and coach, and and it's because he cared about it. It's because he really enjoyed it. You know, Northwoods League, I had a chance to coach Mitch Hanniger, and just seeing how he prepared every day. You know, at the time, you didn't see that guy as a future all star. I knew he was good. Obviously, he was going to be a top couple of round pick, but. He was just different than the other guys in terms of the time he put in and how he prepared, and and, and it's because he just loved to grind it out, and, and so I think that passion for it is just, and that's what got me from accounting to coaching. Is it something I, I thought I was going to enjoy more than anything? So I I think that's really the starting point. There it is. Okay, these are kind of quick hitters, but love the explanation in terms of how you arrived at it and uh, fill in the blank here. One thing you need to work on is <laughs> my my ability to understand technology. I am. Okay. Just getting set up for this podcast today was like solving the Rubik's Cube for me. So We got you uh, there, though. Yeah, we did it. Thank God I had a good good tutorial here. But, uh, you know, the game obviously is going in that direction with, yeah. with all of the technology. And I, I've got to spend a lot of time in the next year or two trying to – I'm probably not going to catch up, but just be less inadequate, I guess. Hmm. You know, our podcast uh, last week was with Jerry Weinstein. He drops – I've learned more in the last five years than I did in the previous 45. And I think it's a, more of a, an embracement of the change and the way people are looking at the game, certainly the technologies. And I know where he felt um, probably the biggest pull was the fact that he looked at technology not as a uh, something that was going to take his job, wasn't going to automate you know, the coaching realm, but it was actually going to be an opportunity to strengthen what he was going to do. Is there a way you could arrive at that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would totally agree. You know, I haven't been that up 
upset that we haven't had a lot of in our program this year because I think there's still a huge statement to be made about teaching how to play the yeah, game and, yeah. and no spin rate machine or, or any of those analytics are, are sure. going to teach you how to work a good mental process. But mm. boy, if you can give these guys feedback on why things work and what it's going to look like. And I mean, it, yeah, it's going to, their belief in you when you can provide real concrete details of things you're trying to teach is, is just like you said, it's just going to strengthen if you use it in the, in the right manner for sure. Yeah. All right. Next one I got for you. The key to success is, Oh man. Um, I think it kind of goes back to what I just told you. It's that, that just pass, pick something you really, really care about and then commit to it. I mean, that's really what I talk to our guys about is, you know, if you're playing college baseball, I'd like to think you really, really care about it. If you don't, and then guys try to think I'm trying to get them to quit at times, but go find something you are passionate about. This is really enjoyable for you. Don't do it. Go do something else because that's, I mean, to me, that's it. If you really, really care about it, again, it's easy to work hard at it. You know, this weekend, I guess somebody would say I'm working all weekend. You don't, you don't feel like it when you're showing up to the yard and trying to help guys compete and win a game. So I, I think it's finding what you really care about and sticking to that. <laughs> Friend of mine, you take this with you. Friend of mine, uh, he said, "What do you got this weekend?" I, said, I gotta go work, man. We got got a couple games this weekend. He goes, "You get to go to the ballpark and wear, <laughs> and wear funny pants all weekend, and you call that work." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Could be a little worse. Yeah, I could do a lot worse things. Um, in the end, when our careers are over, it's all about. You know, I, I think to me, it's just all about. Did our kids have good experiences while they were here, and did they leave feeling like they were they're kind of prepared for life? Not that we have all the answers, but you know, to have players from, and I've only been a head coach for seven years, so it's not all that long. But guys from five, six years ago, you know sending me invites to their weddings or things. I mean, that's, that's really what it's about is, is, you know, getting a text saying, Hey coach, you know, all those times you got on me for being two minutes late and I thought you were nuts. I appreciate it. It's really helped me now. Um, that's pretty cool. But then not forgetting the process of it, of of them looking back and saying, Hey, that was like some of the best years of my life. And and thanks for letting me be a part of it. That's, I mean, that's everything uh, to me. I know this is going to lead us on a couple different paths, but we, you know we'd love to talk about the Mount Rushmore. These are three yep. or four, three or four people that have impacted you the most, and you're surrounded by a few of them every day. But uh, take us into that. Yeah, you know, if you step out of the baseball side of things, uh, you know, my parents are are pretty huge in the process. They're divorced, and they have been since I, since I was young, and they're very different people, but they've both been really, really supportive of me. Again, I went back to that quitting my accounting job and moving to Cleveland for a thousand dollars a month. And, and my parents, boy, they, they must've thought I was completely, completely off my rocker. They helped me get through a private school education, get this great accounting degree. And here I am, I'm just going to move, move to Cleveland. And they never really spoke up and said, you have to be completely insane. They said, if that's what you're passionate about, go ahead and do it. So, right. uh, that was pretty cool. Um, and I had an aunt, um, passed away just a couple of years back but she had ALS Lou Gehrig's disease for literally 20 years one of you know documented as one of the longest survivors ever with ALS and in 20 years never heard her complain once as as she can't walk as she can barely talk as she can barely eat and boy you never forget that you know somebody that dealt that that hand and, and just says I'm gonna make the best of it and she was given two to five years to live and Found a way to see her kids who were in elementary school at the time grow up, get married. She had grandkids, uh, the whole deal. And just she thought her life was unbelievable 
because of the good things she had when everybody else thought about how difficult it was and so on. That day I want to be upset because it's cold and windy or or you've lost three in a row. It's like, let's put this thing in perspective. So so those three people are awfully influential on me. But then now, now in the coaching realm, you know, I've probably mentioned him far too many times. He doesn't deserve this much credit. But uh, <laughs> Coach Winsky, my college coach, you know, he's my volunteer assistant now. Uh, and what I learned from him is you can be at a small school with, with very few resources and you just don't worry about it. You work, you get better, you, you get creative. And I mean, I think we think outside the box a lot as a program and that all started with him. Mm. Uh, so to have him as, as my volunteer assistant now where, you know, I have somebody to blame when we don't play well, uh, <laughs> it makes a big difference. It's, I got a lot of making up for seven years with him as, as his player and assistant. Now I can turn the tables on him, but, but all in all seriousness, you look around the, the scope of, you know, smaller division one and, and what some of these teams have for resources for that volunteer. You have no choice, but to have some pretty young and experienced guys and the half guys got right. 20 years of head coaching. It's been winning head coaching experience. My goodness. It's just an unbelievable resource. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm guessing that there's a, there's that, uh, that tutelage, you know, of handling situations and, you know, Hey, something to consider. I, like I, I can't imagine the benefit that it would have to your development because this is what you know it's what we're talking about is you growing as a coach to have someone that's that's known you from when he's known you to now and seen the growth but more of dude i've been there and here's the perspective you need that'll help you those lessons got to keep coming up repeatedly right yeah there's no doubt and just the things he sees that that i miss sometimes yeah. you know it's just a couple of weeks ago we're we're at notre dame and we got a pitcher on the mound who, who struggles struggles out of the stretch a little bit more than just this, that past week he had just been playing with it and not feeling comfortable and we're in a bases loaded spot with a fairly big lead and i don't even think twice about it but he's pitching out of the stretch and, and tom comes over and says, why didn't he get the guy in the wind up here if he gives up two or three runs we're, we're still fine and just just little things that yeah. until you've done it for a long time you just don't see but, but like you said the perspective side too when you know, the team needs a message and, and you have another guy that can deliver it and has mm-hmm. done it for a long time. It yeah. makes a huge, huge difference. Wow. Yeah, that would be huge. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. I got thrown out once this year, so I had a nice experience head coach to pick me up and coach the rest <laughs> of the game. So that didn't hurt either. Not that I wouldn't want to make a habit of it, but I was able to get him a little more hands-on. Okay. Yeah. Did you Did you have that thought before you went out? No, I had no intention <laughs> of getting thrown out, but we, uh, when I left, the game was tied, and when, when it ended, we were losing by one. So it's definitely not my fault. Yeah, I, <laughs> I love <laughs> it. I can't wait till he hears all this. This is going to be great. Coach Bishop, take us into this last little question. This is a great one in terms of emptying your pockets out on, number one, the best advice you've been given. What are, what's like that hidden mantra that you, that you go back to over and over again that's really led you down your path? But then else, what else do you have to offer in terms of these coaches paying attention to the show? How would you send them down a better path? Yeah, you know, in terms of coaching, the conversation I probably remember more than any when I was relatively, I wasn't that young. I'd been coaching for a handful of years, but when I was at Northwest Missouri State and I was, you know, starting to get a little frustrated. It's my seventh year as a, as a part-time assistant coach. I feel like I'm working hard and doing a decent job, but I mean, at some point you do have to pay a bill. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking about now, what do I do? How do I position myself for a really good job down the road? And I, you know, Coach Moore out at Cal State Northridge, who if you don't know Coach Moore, you should because yes. he's one of the better people you can meet. Yes. Um, but I got to know him through coaching some of some of San Francisco's players in summer ball. And 
you know, we're looking at maybe me moving out there as a possible volunteer assistant or director of baseball ops or something like that. And, and for me, that moved to the division one level it was eye opening and flattering. And, you know, I was thinking about doing it and I, I talked to coach Moore. I said, what, what should I do here? And, and he, he kind of walked me through some things and he said, stop worrying about where the job will get you and worry about what you're going to enjoy right now. And, you know, when I got into coaching, that's the decision I made. I, I wasn't really worried about making a bunch of money or having a great coaching career. It was just I don't really love accounting, and I think I'd enjoy coaching, so let's give it a shot. And right. kind of got away from that, and he just said, do what's going to make you happiest right now. And I was so hands-on at Northwest Missouri State. I was coaching our pitchers. I had a ton of responsibility, and, and I was enjoying it. And so I just stuck with it. And at the time, it felt like, oh, where, where's that next job going to come from? But obviously, it's worked out just fine and, and I think that was a real eye-opening experience when I got the head coaching job at Midland small NAI I, I stopped worrying about you know if I do well will somebody hire me instead let's just let's just do really well here and enjoy the heck out of it here and trust things will take care of itself well things are definitely taking care of themselves there with the Chippewas and again it's fun to watch it because we got a couple homers here in the in the uh, the board of directors and obviously in our <laughs> national office, and uh, but it's great to kind of see it go in a different direction. It's great for Northern baseball when there are some really phenomenal programs that are being built up there, and it really brings up you know high tides raise all ships. So I think it's great that more programs are, are looking to improve and move in the right direction. And so again, we're excited to see what you're doing up there, Jordan. And best of luck, man. I know you're walking into a great Mac weekend. Coach Duncan's actually a former podcast guest as well, so there'll be a little uh, ABCA floating around the weekend, but. Uh, <laughs> Wish you the best of luck. Thanks for getting tech savvy for me and jumping on here. I really appreciate you having me on. If there's one more thing I'd throw out sure. there. Sure. Man, these young coaches just just stay after it. And thank God again, Coach Winston used to just challenge me and just say, hey, you're going to have a future in this thing. Just keep working at it. You're going to. It's easy to doubt that because there's only so many jobs out there. But if, if you love doing it, keep going after it because it's, it's, it's really rewarding. And, and it's not so much. It's not that I'm a coach at Central Michigan. That's obviously an awesome opportunity, but it's it's the 14 years looking back and how much I've enjoyed every step of the way. It's, it's not the job that got me. It's 13 years of an unbelievable life of working with kids, and that's what's cool about it. So keep going at it because these kids really benefit. Boy, that's, that's a great way to end it, Jordan. Thanks for jumping on with us, my friend. Best of luck. We'll catch up. I appreciate it. Take care. Coaches, thanks again for checking out our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast and another one of our Dugout Chatter episodes. Here at the American Baseball Coaches Association, our mission is to serve coaches around the world. So please let us know how we can help you out. Head over to our website, abca.org. If you're looking for more information about our baseball coaching fraternity, you could also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find us at ABCA1945. You want to reach out to me directly? I'd love to hear from you. You can do that on Twitter and Instagram at CoachSheets3 or shoot me an email at Sheets, S H E E T S, at ABCA.org. We would love to hear from our loyal members. We'd even love to hear from some new ones as we continue to find new ways to work together at growing the game of baseball. Huge thanks to the sponsor of these Dugout Chatter episodes, our longtime partners over at Rawlings. So if you want more information about what they're doing for baseball and this association, head over to their website, Rawlings.com. That's Rawlings, R-A-W-L-I-N-G-S.com. And thanks again for your support of this podcast. As always, thanks for listening in and staying dialed into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. Until next week, we ask you to keep growing 
You keep developing. You keep challenging yourself inside this game. We wish you and your club the very best, and thank you for what you're doing for the game of baseball. Baseball.